to the Beyond Affairs podcast. We are Affair Recovery Specialists, Anne and Brian Birched. For the past 20 plus years, we have dedicated our lives to helping couples and individuals just like you heal from marital betrayal. In addition to private intensives, we run weekend intensive experiences for groups, including Healing from Affairs, Take Your Life Back, and Man of Honor. We're also the authors of the book, My Husband's Affair Became the Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me. While we're Christians and all our materials are biblically based, you'll feel comfortable and get help no matter what you believe. Our website is beyondaffairs.com. And now, here's your host, Anne Birched. This is a big topic that we have tonight is talking about boundaries, and this is going to help us evaluate um, and navigate a lot of the decisions like we are, I I find that when we're in a fair recovery, that's almost like there's this constant feeling of wishing that we had an all wise being on our shoulder that could just whisper, you know, do this, say yes, say no, or how to handle each situation. Um, Of course, there is not. Uh, an all-wise being whispering exactly what you should do and say at every particular moment. And so you want to gain as much information as you can so that you have a greater knowledge base to make that decision from. And for myself, and what I recommend is that one of the things that you want to be evaluating is like, what is right and what is wrong? in any given situation. And then you wanna choose to do the right thing. And you also want to recognize in the relationship, um, what is the wrong thing? And I mean, it's obvious that when your spouse is unfaithful, it's the wrong thing, but it's not so obvious in the navigating the conversations or, you know, they maybe tell you that they don't want you tracking them, whatever. There's all these other little things that you're trying to figure out the right and the wrong about. So I think tonight's teaching um, and what I'm going to share with you on boundaries will be really helpful in that direction. Um, So one of the things I want you to know about boundaries is um, I like to explain it like this. Boundaries, if you think about boundaries, we're talking about if you have a piece of property and um, you have a front yard and a backyard and you have a fence around that property, the boundaries is that fence. And so my best way of explaining boundary violations is that metaphorically in life, like what is your front yard and backyard around your own life is the part of life that you are responsible for. And in life, other people have a tendency to throw their garbage into your yard including your spouse. In other words, their bad choices become your problem. That's what I mean by throwing their garbage into your yard. And then suddenly you are the one that seems to be left uh, picking up the aftermath and trying to do something about that. And so learning how to have good boundaries is about learning how to give them their garbage back and, and not deal with it for them. Or, you know, another way to explain it sometimes is um, if I was uh, speaking at the front of the room and I had 100 people in the audience or however many and I I threw a ball out into the audience, uh, most likely somebody would catch it. It's almost instinctive. That's what we do. We reach up our hands and we catch it. And that's in the same way if you think of the ball as the problem or our spouse maybe throws a ball and 
and we catch it for them so it doesn't hit the ground and cause whatever problems that would cause metaphorically. We catch their the problem for other people so they don't get in trouble. And um, what we need to learn how to do is to quit doing that and to sometimes uh, like imagine that the ball's coming at me and instead of catching it, I turn around and go, hey, I see your ball dropped. Um, I'm sure you'll be able to get it yourself instead of fixing it for them. So let me put that into practical terms, um, an honest story from our marriage uh, many years back. But um, I'm really good at managing money. And well, my husband, Brian, has many talents, but that would not be one of his top ones. Okay, he's gotten much better, but we do best if I'm uh, handling that. But the problem was in early years um, when he was running a business, he would sometimes uh, not be managing the finances the way that he needed to be. And I was always catching the ball for him. I would go to the bank. I would borrow more money. I would talk to the creditors. I would make a deal. I would figure out how to get things paid. And I was always under stress because of bad management decisions that he was making. And one day, I realized that I had a boundary problem and I was catching the ball that he was dropping. And so very thoughtfully and very lovingly, I, I actually went to him and I apologized. And I said, um, I have been taking responsibility for the finances of your business. And um, I've been wrong for doing that because you're fit, you're capable of doing it yourself. And I'd like to apologize. And, um, and so I said, I'm not going to be managing the finances of your business anymore. Um, and so you can figure out what you would like to do about that. If you want to hire somebody, I would be happy to train them. If you want to do it yourself, I would be happy to show you how to do it. Um, and I think I gave him a month's notice. And um, he looked at me. I remember that conversation like a deer in the headlights. Um, oh my God, will everything be okay? And, um, uh, so the time went by and, uh, and he, um, got someone to do it and, but still there's things when you hire somebody that they don't do. And so, um, I remember that we came cause he had a construction company and quite a few employees. And suddenly we were back in square one where it's like payday and there's not enough money for payroll. And he's like, Ann, there's not enough money for payroll. Help me. And that's like the ball being thrown at me that I used to normally catch. I'm just giving you an example so you can understand in principle what happens. And instead of fixing it for him, I said, you're very capable and I'm sure that you will find a solution to your problem. Don't think I wasn't stressed because, you know, when you're married, it kind of will affect me too. You know what? He fixed it. He started managing the money better. Um, and we began to prosper way more after that than when I had been catching the ball that he was capable of. So we need to learn 
how to quit catching the ball that somebody else drops. So I'm going to give you um, 10 principles about um, boundaries today to kind of help you discern where things are at. And one of them, the first principle is the law of sowing and reaping, or basically the law of cause and effect. So if you go to work and you do a good job, you get your paycheck. That's cause and effect, sowing and reaping. If I sleep through the day, I don't get paid that day. That's sowing and reaping. If I keep my car in the right lane, I avoid an accident. So the one who sows is the one who reaps unless we don't have good boundaries. So if someone is out of control emotionally with their anger, addiction, substance abuse, then someone else reaps the consequences. So one person is sowing and someone else is reaping. And that is a boundary problem. So if I'm reaping pain that I'm not sowing, then a boundary is being violated. And when someone is out of control, they ought to reap the consequences. If not, we're enabling. If you walk near a fire, you should feel the heat. Some people never feel the heat from the fires that they're starting. So a parent of a lazy or rebellious child needs to learn how to have a nice day even when their child doesn't do their homework. And the child needs to reap the consequence of not doing the homework. We have to stop fixing it for them. So the question to ask yourself is, am I reaping the consequences of somebody else's negative sowing? And if the answer is yes, then the next question that you need to ask yourself is, how can I help that person by ensuring that they reap appropriate negative consequences for their negative sowing? How can I help them feel the heat? You see, when Brian wasn't um, managing our business finance as well, I was feeling the heat from the fire that he was creating. The day that I stopped doing that and I said, I'm sure you're a very capable person and I'm sure you'll find a way to fix it, he felt the heat. And interestingly enough, when somebody feels the heat like from the fire, that's when they're going to be motivated to change. Because if they're not feeling the heat, why would they change? Yeah. It's like, um, uh, and, and by the way, I got a lot of this information um, from Dr. Henry Cloud, and he has a website, boundaries.me. So if this is inspiring to you, uh, go find his website because he has a ton of amazing videos on there. There's a, a membership um, price, but it's uh, they're, they're good if this is speaking to you. And he was speaking once, and I remember him sharing a story about a... Um, there was a husband and a wife and then two grown siblings and they were all in his office. He's a psychiatrist on a Saturday morning and they were all there about another, a brother son that wasn't there who had all these problems. And they went on and on for about the first uh, 10 minutes talking about how this brother son um, couldn't hold a job, couldn't um, manage his relationships, had problems with addictions, couldn't manage his uh, money, was always having car problems, was always needing them, you know, and they were going on and on about these problems. And Dr. Cloud only let them talk for about 10 minutes. And then he said, uh, I don't think your son brother has a problem at all. 
And they're like, what do you mean? Have you not heard that what we're telling you that he's doing, that he has, you know, addiction problems and he can't hold a job down and his money, his finances are a mess. And they're saying this and, and he's, and Dr. Cloud said, well, where is he today? And he said, well, that's the problem. He's out skiing. We tried to get him to come, but he wouldn't even come to this meeting. And Dr. Cloud said, as I said, your son brother doesn't have a problem because he's out skiing today, having a great time. You have a problem. You are spending your Saturday morning in a psychiatrist's office. But I can help you because what I'm going to do is I'm going to help you to help your son, brother, have a problem. And sometimes we need to discern that difference with our spouse as well. When is what they're doing becoming our problem when they need to be reaping the consequences because we're afraid of the fallout. So we're, we're catching the ball that they're dropping. Um, so the second law of boundaries is called the law of responsibility. It's what are you responsible for and who are you responsible to? So we're responsible to ourselves because we are the only one we can control. We're responsible for our attitudes, limits, thoughts, behaviors, talents, values, desires, things that I love. Um, but you can start feeling responsible for keeping someone else happy. And the truth is you can't make anybody else happy, which um, sadly part of this you might not like because many of us as betrayed spouses feel like our spouse has made us unhappy or made us a person that we don't recognize. Well, there's a certain amount of truth and it's not realistic to think that somebody's going to be unfaithful and you're just not going to experience sadness and anger and all of those things you are. But if you're you're parking in it, like getting out of it, they can't do it for you. you you're the one that has to take responsibility for that. And that does look different whether they are doing the right things and ending their affairs and working with you to heal or whether they refuse to help you. So, you know, and when they refuse to help you, they're not taking, they're not catching the ball that they dropped. You know, that's part of it. If someone is on drugs and neglecting their work, you worry about them. So you start doing their work for them. You can't control if someone else has rage outbursts um, you can't stop your spouse from acting unfaithfully by becoming what I like to call super need needer spouse. So what you are responsible for is how you respond to another person's wrongful behavior. You are responsible for a loving response. You are responsible for how you let it affect you. you and you might need to move out. You're responsible for that. The way you are behaving is an issue. I can help you find resources, but I can't control it. I can't do this for you. So that's something that you would say to your spouse. The way you are behaving in is, is, is an issue. I can help you find the resources, but I can't control it. I can't do this for you. If your um, spouse is behaving badly. So look at the lay of your land, your own moods, your own relationships, your friends, where is what you're struggling with something you can't control? Um, 
you know, and where is it something that you can control and decide that you will take responsibility for yourself. And then you can respond to the other people in your life in the most helpful way. You can be honest, loving, um, but ultimately put it back on them. You know, you can say you're going to have to decide what you are going to do. So all of us need to ask ourselves in, in your situation, what can you control? And are you carrying someone else's problem? What is the most helpful way that you can put responsibility for your spouse's behavior back on them? And what's the difference between being a good support and being responsible, right? um, doing it for them? So the third law um, of boundaries is the law of power. And it's one of the most important principles because there are certain things you have the power to change and certain things that you don't. Uh, you don't have the power to change other people. Um, people spend most of their trying time trying to control what they don't have the power to control, which when we're in a fair recovery, it's usually our spouse. Um, I, so, you, you know, each one of us, I have the power to be honest, um, on a second, honest with myself and with others that's overcoming denial, uh, being able to say, I have a problem. That's the most empowering thing you can ever do or say is to say, I need help. Interestingly enough, when you're able to say, I am powerless, it puts us in a powerful position, the position of need. And once we own our need, we can find help. And we always have to find a power outside ourselves, a doctor, a counselor, a friend, a support group, a resource. This is a basic principle of life. And it's a paradox in life. When we embrace our weakness, we become powerful. So maybe someone you know else has faced this before and can help us through what we're going through. Sometimes we have to embrace pain. That's part of it. And that's part of this affair recovery journey. We have to feel it, forgive it, um, and move ourselves to a place of acceptance. And then we become free. And then we have the power to let go of that pain. So, and we also have the power to set limits um, so don't try to control what you can't. Um, so a good question to ask yourself, you know, in your situation right now, what do you have the power to change in your life right now? And it's going to be about you and your responses. I know that for me, one of the goals that I set for myself um, in a fair recovery, and I set it for myself now and in everything that I do it's um, just being able to um, live above reproach. Those are the words I tell myself. You know, it, my goal is to be above reproach. So that means I don't put up with somebody else throwing garbage in my yard. But I, I think about like, what is the wrongful behavior and what would be appropriate consequences and how, how can my response be allowing them to feel the consequences, but not um, not intentionally punishing them, but just, just letting them reap what they've sown um, is where I go. So the fourth law is the law of respect. 
And so this has to do with being able to say no um, and also being able to say no. So I can say no to abuse. I can say no to my spouse trying to control me. I can say no to irresponsible crazies, um, except what goes around comes around. So while we love to say no, we tend to hate to hear it. So respect is also being willing to hear our spouse's no. And if we're going to make life work, we not only have to have our own boundaries, we also have to respect the boundaries of other people. It's, it's difficult to set other people free, um, to grant them the freedom to say no. I can't control them, but I have the freedom to decide how I will respond to them. So um, a couple of different points on this one about the law of respect. And for, first is that every relationship has togetherness and separateness. So um, there was a husband that was saying that the wife was telling him that he had a bowling addiction. But when um, the counselor listened to the situation, he said, I don't think you have a bowling addiction but I think your wife might have a problem hearing no. And because the wife wanted him not to go bowling ever at all. And so then when he went bowling, she would call it an addiction. You see, so notice that thing in relationships, every time somebody says something to you, doesn't mean that that necessarily is truth. So what if you're in a relationship and all the other person does is say no, if there is no yes, then there's not much of a relationship. And then we need to talk about balance. So um, number two, there could be an area where there is an infraction, an actual infraction. So notice the situation above there wasn't because it was just normal togetherness and separateness in the relationship. But sometimes somebody is actually doing something wrong. That's when what one person is doing is causing pain for the other. And if like, for example, if your spouse wants to keep having affairs, you know, what you can say to them is if you want to keep having affairs, I can't stop you. I have to respect that I can't control that, but I can choose to say no, and I won't be around it. Um, but you do have another option. I'd like to choose to help you. But if you don't choose to get better, then I choose not to be around that. So that would be a way of responding to somebody who's um, actually violating boundaries. And um, the third scenario is sometimes we just want something that's good for somebody, but they don't want it themselves. And that's, that can be really hard to take. So the law of respect is about freedom. Love, responsibility, freedom, and consequences all have to be equal. They, they go hand in hand. So um, the question to ask ourselves is, can you see any places where you might need to respect your spouse's no? Um, and can you see any places where your spouse is not respecting your no? Those would be some good questions to ask. So, all right. Um, the Number five is the law of motivation. It's what gets us doing something. If, I, if I'm going to say yes to something, what's motivating me to say that yes? Um, some ways, 
bring about good stuff and some don't. So the question is, why am I saying yes to this? Um, how many times do you say yes when you really want to be saying no? And people say, I'm afraid to say no because my spouse is going to get angry because they're going to get angry. And if we're giving into fear, we are going to get resentful because we're going to, we're going against our heart's desire. If we have to do certain things to get someone to like us, um, that's, you know, that's not okay. That's not freedom and love in a relationship. If, uh, if you say no, and the other person, your spouse explodes, you break up, you miss them, and then you give in, and then you get back together, and then he explodes, explodes again. So look for patterns in your relationship. That's a that's a really good thing to do is look for the patterns in your relationship because you're probably um, repeating them. Uh, in the Bible, Proverbs twelve six says that a hot tempered person must pay the penalty. Rescue them, and you will have to do it again and again. Interesting. Um, sometimes people can control you because they make you feel guilty after, you know, they'll say like, after all I've done for you. And then if you don't say yes, they give you the impression that you are bad and that's not love. That's control. That's fear, guilt, and, and it can push you to do stuff that you don't want to do. And if you get pushed like that, then you are enabling their bad behavior. Um, other motivators can be love, um, and this may not feel good. So in other words, sometimes you can be doing the right thing and you can be doing it for a good motivation, love. And when you're doing the right thing, sometimes it will require a sacrifice. For example, a parent might take an extra job to take care of their children. That's a good thing. An athlete might get up at five in the morning to train for the reward and to win a prize. That can be a good thing. Um, so remember that it's not all about me. It's not all about you and that, you know, that you just get to feel good all the time. So sometimes doing the right thing can be painful. Probably sometimes that's what our spouse didn't get. Um, sometimes difficult things can be very life enhancing. A soldier who goes to war doesn't want to get shot. Um, he's doing it for love. It's a sacrifice and it's a good thing. Um, but remember that you don't have to do it. You get to choose it. And that's the law of motivation. So always check in with yourself as to why um, you're doing what you're doing. Thank you for listening. This is Brian and Ann Birch signing out. We do seminars, coaching, and private intensives to help you. So we want to hear from you soon. We care about your story. And don't forget to check out our book, My Husband's Affair Became the Best Thing That Ever Happened to Me. Our phone number is 360-306-3367. And again, that website is beyondaffairs.com. All right, stay strong.